a reading from the book of Deuteronomy. Now this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do, that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son, by keeping all his statutes and all his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. Hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as your Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord of God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall, you shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk to them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets be between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. The word of the Lord. Well, good morning again. Uh, we're going to do something a little unusual this morning. In lieu of a message, we're going to have a collective voice from up front. And we, we have a tradition of doing this on a quarterly basis. We did, we did this for Mother's Day, and we're now doing it for Father's Day. And so let me just say, Happy Father's Day. Now, I recognize that this is a, an interesting day for many of us. For many of us, uh, this day might be joyful. For many of us, it might be hard. Maybe you grew up in a home with a great dad. Maybe you grew up in a home with no dad. Maybe you had a hard upbringing. Maybe you're longing to be a father. Maybe you are a father. No matter where you find yourself today, what I'd encourage you to do is, as a man or a woman, find one or two handles that you can take with you as you leave today, as you hear the collective story of different men in our church that I'm about to interview, and that it would encourage you and impact you and maybe challenge you and uh, make you more like God than when you first walked in. So with that, let me uh, begin again with this, a word of prayer, and then we'll invite our panelists to come forward. So please bow with me. Dear Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth in the meditations of our hearts, be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. And in the oldest prayer of the church, I pray, come Holy Spirit, come. In Jesus' name, amen. Now it's my joy this morning to welcome Brett. Come on forward, Brett. Jason, come on forward. And Garth Cook, come on forward. And as they're nervously coming forward, can we give them a round of applause? All right. The pressure's real. The pressure's real. All right, guys. So let me share what this is going to look like. We had an amazing turnout in the first service. And uh, I'm just going to ask a series of questions to these men. And uh, I'm inviting them to share brief answers so that we can actually all have a chance to share. And uh, we're going to begin with some softer questions, then we'll get deeper into the heart. So let me start over here with Garth. This is Garth Cook. Um, Garth 
He's going to tell you a little bit of a story, but uh, a native of Washington, Seattle. Um, this is Jason, a native of North Carolina. And this is Brett, a native of Louisiana. There we go. So we have everyone represented up here. So, guys, when did you first become a Christian or a follower of Jesus? Yeah, for myself, I would say having grown up in the church with my parents um, who had adopted me, um, I would say I've always, Christ has always been in my life, uh, but it probably wasn't until uh, I joined the, the Marine Corps. Uh, in, I was probably in the, my early 20s where a, um, a person who I actually went into the service with on the sort of the buddy system um, found his calling to be a pastor and sort of really kind of insisted that I take that next step. And as I mentioned at the earlier service, I feel like I'm still very much on that journey. And, uh, and I feel like this church has been a big part of that. And I feel like I've made a lot of strides in these last couple of years because of the church. Um, I have to say this, though, too. I do not know or I did not know who my father was growing up. And so I think because of that, I really struggled in the early years to accept this, this whole God thing in the sense that I think I didn't want to make myself feel and be that vulnerable. And so I struggled with that for a number of years. And, and I think it's just been in more recent time that I realized that. Hmm. Okay, I'm a... Uh not as early as, as Garth in my Christian journey, but um, it was, uh, I was 34 years old, June 7th, 2007, and it uh, actually was my, uh, which is now my best friend, uh, my mentor, and my boss, uh, T.C. Staten, which uh, unfortunately wasn't able to make it today, but, um, you know, he just kind of took me under his wing, uh, and with the, with the help of him and my wife, Kara, uh, they've really held me accountable, and, and I've really grown over the last, uh, you know, I'd say five or six years. Okay, guys, now let's peel back the layers and get real. When did you realize this dad deal was a serious deal? And uh, what was that like for you? So I, I sort of have a, a, a funny story to share uh, on those, on, I guess, to that question. But it, it really was uh, our first child, Alexa, was a preemie. So she was about three and a half pounds when she was born. And I remember when we, when we brought her home and... And of course, my mother-in-law had came in to sort of help. It was actually Karen, who um, was my wife. Um, her, uh, her mom came in to help us with the baby. And I had the duty one night to get up in the middle of the night, 2, 3 o'clock in the morning, to warm the breast milk and feed the baby. And so I stumbled down to the kitchen, and I, I put water in the, you know, in the pot and started boiling the, the water. And I figured, well, you know, let me just take a, a little you know, sit down here on the couch, and I'll wait for this water to boil. Well, I fell asleep, all the water boiled out of the pan. Now the, the pan itself is cooking on the stove, kind of emitting all these toxic fumes and smoke is billowing through the house. The smoke alarms went off. And the next thing I know, I wake up and my mother-in-law and my wife are just really not very happy with me. <laughs> and so uh, we had to get out of the house because it stunk so bad. And so we're out there in Washington State at about 3 o'clock in the morning, freezing, but we had to get out of the house. And I realized that this fatherhood thing is going to be pretty hard. Wow. They weren't encouraging you in that moment? Not so much. No. 
mine's not quite that exciting, but I think the moment that, uh, you know, when Hunter was my firstborn, so I think the moment when the doctor handed Hunter to me, I held him and I looked up and I said, I don't think there's any turning back now. I mean, he's here. So, and I think it's happened ever since, you know, each, each birth of each child, it's, uh, it's kind of reset that whole, it's real, uh, fatherhood is, is here and embrace it. And um, my response echoes uh, Jason's. There, there, you know, several moments, but I think if, if, if I pin it down to to one time, um, and, and I meant to mention this disclaimer in the first service. My only qualification for being up here is that I'm a father. It doesn't mean <laughs> I have any idea what I'm doing or that I'm doing things right. Um, so, I think Paul chose me because he knows I have children. That beyond that. Um, it could have I'm, been that. I'm, I'm no could, expert. That could have played into I, it. I'm no expert. Um, but so uh, Kendall, who's our oldest, so the moment she was delivered into the world, I think um, that's that's when everything became real to me. Dis despite knowing lots of things about the, the pregnancy and, and, and what to expect and maybe intellectualizing that and thinking that you're prepared and all the things you've done and all the things you're hoping for and praying for and being excited about and worried about and all those things. But, but for me, it was, it was that, you know, split second fraction of a second of seeing her delivered into the world that, um, you know, a million things changed inside me in an instant and, and, and life's, life's been different ever since. So what has been your greatest struggle as a father, <laughs> uh, so many uh, we don't have enough enough time to list. But um, uh, thinking about this a lot, one thing that I, I personally struggle with um, is trying to balance giving my children independence against protecting them and keeping them close to me. Um, I, I think I have trouble with that. I think Gretchen and I as a couple have trouble with that in that um, I've talked with my mom and dad about things they did in the way they raised me and my brothers and um, providing a lot of love and support and instilling in us you know, what they expected of us but then letting us go out into the world to become who we are and make our own mistakes which I think is necessary, but I really, really struggle, especially in today's world, um, you know, how much room do I give my children and at the same time wanting so much to protect them physically, emotionally, socially. Um, and, and that's an area that I really have to pray a lot about and have to take a lot of deep breaths and kind of you know, push them out of the nest and let them be who they are. How about you, Jason? What's been your greatest struggle as a dad? Uh, balancing uh, work and home life. Um, I was raised by a father that uh, worked seven days a week, 365 days a year. He traveled. Um, I mean, if I saw him, it was like on a Sunday for just a few hours. Mm -hmm. um, so I think, you know, that instilled a work ethic in me, which is, which is great, but balancing it is a struggle and I still struggle with it and I'm trying to um and, and the car business doesn't help so 
if any of you are in the, in the car business, you know what I'm talking about. If you're not, then steer clear because it is high demanding. So, <laughs> But I think uh, just balancing that out, I think I'm getting better. Um, I'm actually in a role now where I don't have to work weekends. So I try to keep the weekends for the family, for the kids, and um, it's really helped me. Yeah, so a challenge. So, you know, I'm a single dad. And as Paul said, you know, as we as we talk about getting real with all this, uh, grew up very much idealistic. Um, I'm still very idealistic. And uh, I think it serves me well in a lot of ways. But it's also um, been really hard to having had, you know, foster parents who stayed together for 54 years, who were the most saintly people you could ever, ever meet. And then to have to have went through a divorce myself, you know, certainly not the way I was wired. And, uh, and sort of the, uh, you know, how do I still provide that stability to my children um, in what may not be a utopian circumstance? And I feel like I've, I've done a, a good job with that. And it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's one day at a time. But it really is, it's that constant sort of challenge of, am I providing my children what they need, even if it isn't what society may deem as the perfect circumstance? And uh, so that's been my challenge. Yeah. And uh, who was or who has been the biggest influence on you as a dad, and, and what was it that they did or showed you yeah. that influenced you? So I would say, uh, again, the Cooks adopted me uh, when I was, uh, actually, they took us in as foster parents when I was four and my sister was seven. And uh, I've never met, as I said, my real dad. And so uh, Dad Cook was really a tremendous influence for me. Again, uh, uh, you know, an elder in the church. Uh, they were just as honest and wholesome and Christian, and I joke that they were, you know, they were square dancers. They were just, if you know, if you've ever been around square dancers, I don't need to say anything more than that. But they're just, uh, they were just very wonderful people. And, um, and dad was very gentle, and he would, all dad ever had to say, and I know it's in the Bible, he would say, be still. That's it. He didn't have to say anything more. And uh, so dad was very much a, a strong influence, and I think he's carried over into my parenting. And, uh, yeah, dad. Um, of, of course, my dad has uh, a lot of influence, but I think uh, if I was to really be honest with myself, um, T.C. Staten, again, my boss uh, and dear friend, really invested uh, his time at uh Basically, when I become a Christian, it was with him, and then from that moment forward, uh, he has really just instilled everything that that he is uh, known for and, and believes in. Um, you know, he's done a great job raising his kids. He's got three sons, two of them which are pastors in New York. Um, so, you know, just thinking back, he uh, pretty much took me and Kara uh, under our wings, him and his wife Rebecca. And we had parenting classes with them, marriage classes, uh, and just they really invested their time in us. So, uh, for for me, it's certainly my dad as well. Uh, again, I, I was very fortunate and, and blessed in the the home in which I was raised, um, and in that my dad, I'm the middle of three boys and. Uh, 
my dad spent a lot of time with us. We didn't have a whole lot, and he worked really hard, and he worked long hours, um, but he also uh, did a lot of lay work in the church uh, where we grew up, uh, very involved as far as teaching Sunday school, uh, serving in other positions in the church. Um, so, and, and I've, I've gone to him, you know, from when we first had children to ask questions and uh, look for guidance. Um, things he taught me and just just being there being involved despite the demands and I, I you know the older I get the realize the more I realize sacrifices that he and my mom made f- for us but um, just being there doing doing things together and he was always coaching baseball you know rec league church league basketball uh, going on campouts with us and doing that sort of thing um, and, and there, you know just the things that he did uh, it's not infallible, um, but one thing that I think he taught me that's really important with my children is not being afraid to say I'm wrong and I'm sorry. Um. Hmm. Well, you, you mentioned kind of uh, the presence of your dad in your life. As we read Deuteronomy 6, it talks about loving the Lord, our God, with all our heart, soul, mind, strength. And then it talks about actually having this that law or that love invade our hearts and then pass through us to our kids, that we would speak these words to our kids, that we would actually, as we walk, we'd walk with these words and share them. And it even talks about putting them on the the doorposts of our homes. How do you all uh, try to teach and model the word of God to your families, to your kids? Um... Reading, reading through the, that passage several times and, and even the way that you posed the question about how, how do we do this intentionally, and I, I, I think that's kind of the key, being intentional and deliberate. Um, uh, in the middle of the passage uh, where we read, you know, talk about these things in your home, you know, when you go to bed, when you get up. Um, it, it's, it can't just be lip service. I know if I try to tell my girls this is what you're supposed to do and then conduct myself in a different way um, it's probably not going to stick and I'll back to my prior answer about you know seeing the, the the way my 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 dad and my mom um, just interacted with us and the way they raised us um, but but it does I you know it's I'm not saying I'm good at it I mean it's it's you know, having having to be very uh, cognizant and, and deliberate, and thinking about every little thing, whether you know from the trivial things when we're playing games together, um, and trying to use those opportunities to to teach the lessons that they need to learn, uh, versus more direct when we're you know uh, you know reading a Bible verse or saying prayers at night and. But I, I think, again, trying to be that person that, you know, that, that I need to be, that, that they need to think I am, and, and that, that that's who I really am. Um, well, I, I don't do it all myself, of course. I've got a wonderful partner in Kara that, uh, that really invests uh, everything that she knows into our girls and, and to, to our son, Hunter. Um, I think we just look for teachable moments and coachable moments, um, and, you know, kind of in, in the heat of the battle sometimes. And 
use those as learning lessons. Um, I think us, you know, serving uh, here at church and, and doing different things here. Uh, our, our kids go to Christian schools. Um, they, you know, they, they're regulars here at church. They're, they're involved in, in everything we do. And, uh, you know, I just think that the more that we put forth our effort and show our commitment, I think uh, the kids will, will definitely follow that. Yeah, and I would echo that. You think about modeling the way, whether it's volunteering here at the church, you know, to be a greeter, you know, to be a part of a community group, um, to be a part of Hope Repair, which a lot of folks are aware of now through, uh, through Jerry and Lana and Butch and others who have kind of brought this opportunity in front of us. And now Ariana, who is here with me today, you know, she's out there, you know, helping repair roofs and plumbing and things that are just, it, it's really fun. And, and we really are modeling the way by doing that. And again, it's because the church, this church, this wonderful church that's been here for a few years has already started to provide us those opportunities. Uh, some of them, you know, maybe a little bit lighter and, and, and a little bit more fun, such as the chili cook-offs even and the oyster roasts and just all the things that we can sort of be there and have our children see us modeling the behavior. Um, and it really takes me back again to the cooks who I remember in some of my fondest memories are being with mom and dad when with, after church and the fellowship and the potlucks and the things that they would do and seeing how adults act and interact. And I think that we, whether we even realize it sometimes, are modeling the way our children are watching. They really are. Mm -hmm. So um, that's, that's part of the way. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna take a swing at this one as well. Um, I'd say one thing Carly and I, especially as our kids, I have a 14-year-old who's about 6'10", right? He's, I think he might have grown an inch this week. Um, but anyway, he's uh, 14, 12, and 10. One of the things we, we are trying to do is begin and end our, our, begin and end our days with Scripture. Um, and I think, let me just, I can put on the dad hat and the pastor hat here and the peer hat. I think as men, it's really important to have our kids see us reading the Word of God. So what, the, what that looks like for our family is um, when I go downstairs in the morning, um, Carly and I both uh, will do devotionals as we're eating breakfast um, and, and just honestly try to model that. And I think we often try to hyper-spiritualize this. It can be even the smallest little devotional, like our daily bread or Scotty Smith's everyday prayers. And we've given a lot of these devotionals out at our church. I just think, men, it's, I think it's a huge opportunity to model, like, so our kids see that. Um, that's one. Two, uh, we're trying to, as we put them to bed, like have a scripture that we might pray over them. Or just read to them, you know, Psalm 23, and we'll get to that in just a minute. But so, so I guess um, a hunger for God's word is men. And the second would be humility. It, it sounds silly, but when I was a young dad, I thought I had to be perfect. And so I was rigid living, rule following, and I was burning out. And this is not about rule following. It's about relationship. God wants a relationship with us and wants us to have a relationship with our kids that reflects that grace and that love. 
And so what does that mean for me and for us with humility? It says, like Brett said, like conversing with our kids and admitting when we're wrong. Say, Caden, I botched this one. I really screwed up on this one. Um, And frankly, even my son Caden's like now asking me, Dad, tell me where you've made mistakes in your life on on key pointed issues. And I'm being open with them. I'm not sharing too much information, but I'm sharing enough. Why? Because, in, you know, Paul says, you know, my great, uh, you know, his grace is sufficient. For where I am uh, weak, he's strong. And so the question, the, the irony, the twist in the paradox of the gospel is where we're weak, he's strong. But it's hard to be vulnerable, humble. But we've tried to do that with our kids, saying, like, hey, God's God, I'm, I'm just a man, but I'm, I'm being saved by his grace, as are we all. So uh, anyway, next question. What value or values do you want to instill in your kids? Yeah, I would say I kind of hearken back to the, the sermon. It might have been a week or two weeks ago when we learned about time, um, kind of treasures, and talents. And, you know, to me, that's, it's just a really easy framework to get your head around. And so when I think again about uh, our children, you know, what are they doing with their time, right? Um, are they, you know, the hands and feet of God, as it were? And so, again, I think about doing the, some of the, the, the service that we mentioned earlier where they're actually devoting time. So it's important to me that the kids are investing time in the Lord. Um, and then when you think about their talents, you know, as you know, if anybody's had more than one kid, your kids are probably polar opposites of each other, right? And so you have to learn and understand that and understand sort of what are their strengths and how can they best use those strengths um, in the world. And so for Ariana, who's right here in front of me, I would say that her talent is she was, she was born with the, the world's largest heart. I mean, she really was. And uh, it, it's something that I want to see and nurture that and not only give her opportunities to, to sort of uh, make a positive influence, but uh, just grow in that area. So make more use of her talents. And, and treasures, certainly, um, just as they've seen dad sort of pivot from being somebody who was sort of a reluctant giver, which I know we've talked about before in the church, to, um, to doing better in that space. And so it's really, it's, it's those three areas. I want my children to be authentic You know, I want them to be genuine. Um, I want my girls, because they are um, girls, and this world has not always, um, uh, you know, you've heard, you know, it's a man's world and all these things that we grew up in. I want my daughters to feel empowered. I want them to to learn their voice and know their voice Hmm. and um, uh, go out there and, and, and play on a level playing field. Uh, mine would be diligence, kindness, and love. <clears throat> I've got uh, my two oldest, Hunter and Jenna, uh, are probably two of the hardest working kids I've ever I've ever seen. Hunter was started playing baseball when he was three, and he just uh, finished up through college. And he would be the first one there, the last one to leave, hit the cages before practice, after practice. I mean, he just uh, he never never stopped. And then uh, Jenna, if she starts on a school project, I don't care if it's due in two months, she's finishing it that night. It's getting done. So her actual trait for uh, school this year was diligence. So um, kindness is Carissa. Her uh, her kindness is is like none I've ever seen. I mean, she's just she's just such a a joy. Uh, 
she loves everybody she comes in contact with and, and she's kind to everybody. And, um, Amara, uh, she's got so much love that she can't give it all out. And, um, they're just all also, uh, so special and different. Um, my, my answer might be a little, a little different and maybe not that scriptural. Um, but I think my girls, and, the, and I'm sorry, my, my answer is a little father-daughter specific than maybe father-son. Um, I think all the things that I want them to have, compassion, generosity, uh, you know, a sense of justice and integrity, they, they blow me away with, with those things already. I think they, those things, it's amazing, you know, uh, just they restore my faith in other people sometimes. But I, I stole my answer from a book uh, by Dr. Meg Meeker, uh, Strong Fathers, Strong Daughters. And so the values I want to specifically give all my girls are pragmatism and grit. Um, and from a clinical approach, things that girls need, you know, not, I don't, don't want to say what anybody says, but there's some truth in, you know, I think the difference in how emotional we are about things. So I want to impart in them to some degree you know, approach to the the things they have to deal with. It, it, the term I like to use is using trial and error with very little error um, to you know, practically deal with the things they encounter on a day-to-day -day basis and grit. Um, there's been a lot of talk about grit recently and how that makes people successful in the world, but not just by the world standards, but you know, family in the church. And, and the best definition of grit that I've come across is, you know, unyielding courage in the face of hardship or danger. And uh, not to overstate it, but uh, kind of, if I can import that to them, I'd, I'd be very pleased. All right, this is the last question. It's a two-headed question. Number one, what, what one or two resources would you recommend to the men and dads in this room? And two, is there any specific scripture that you like to speak over or into your kids? Uh, resources. I, I just mentioned one. I, I don't really read books on parenting, but it's one that I really like. It's Dr. Meg Meeker, and she's written not only about fathers and daughters, but sons as well. Uh, and and it's, it's biblical-based, and I think there, there's a lot of useful information there. Um, Media-wise, I've been involved in the, one of the community groups here through the Daniel Island Fellowship, and we've used a series by Mark Gregston, who's a counselor and runs a, a teen ministry, and I, I think that's very, very good. I would have no problem recommending that to anyone, but more so in the community group, just the people, the people, the church, the um, Bobby, Mike, other, other Christian dads that... Um, I can lean on and it can hold me accountable, uh, I think, um, are, are a great resource, uh, probably more so than in any of the media I've mentioned. Um, verses, uh, verse, part two is a verse that will pray over the kids. Um, anything specific that I pray, I, I've developed my own little prayer that I think God's given me the words that I pray over the girls every night, uh, you know, praying for, for their um, safety, health, and happiness, and that they will know every day how much God loves them and how much they're loved. Um, I do pray, uh, like Isaiah 41.10, you know, be strong, do not be dismayed, I'm with you, I will strengthen you. 
I am God, you know, I'll take care of you. Okay, to answer question one, I think it's the, uh, the, the best resource that I've found is who you surround yourself with. Um, you know, we, we try to surround ourselves with uh, good Christian families that have the same beliefs, the same uh, values, same morals that, that, that we try to instill. Um, so that's, that's been my biggest resource. Um, I don't really have a particular verse that I pray over uh, my kids, but, you know, I travel a lot, so I'm, I'm always constantly praying for, for God's angels to watch over the family and, and be with Kara and the girls, and, and, you know, my son lives in Charlotte, so um, I'm constantly praying for him. Uh, he's on his own now, uh, you know, for his safety and, and to guide him in, in the way that, uh, that he kind of, you know, has guided me lately, so um, I think it's just constantly uh, praying for safety. When I think of resources, I think of two things, and this is sort of unorthodox, but I would say the first one is my pillow, okay? And what I mean by that is I know that as a, as a dad, I can't be my best self if I'm not rested, okay? If I'm not physically able to give my best. And so I really do my best with time management to the point where I can get the rest that I need to be the best I can for my kids. Uh, I am an older dad uh, than, than many, and so that's important to me. And a second resource, and I see this guy here a fair amount, and that's why he's got these big arms right here at the gym. Okay, the gym is another resource that I see as an opportunity to take care of myself physically and again, so I can give the kids everything that, that, that I've got. Um, it's, I know who I am and what I am if, I'm, if I don't do that, and I'm not much used to anybody. And so I do. I really want to make sure that, uh, that I'm getting my rest and that I'm taking care of myself physically. So those are two really strong resources in that sense, um, however pragmatic that might sound. Uh, the other piece, though, when you think about Bible verses and, and some of the things that, that um, stick out to me, it's uh, in Exodus it says, uh, honor thy, thy father and mother uh, or else, I think is sort of how it goes. But I, I like that particular verse in a sense that um, it's, and I don't have to necessarily say that very often to the kids because they're both really good girls. But um, I think there's something to that of making sure that the kids understand and recognize the role that we as, as, as parents play and the importance of listening to your parents. All right, so as a, as a means of concluding this time, I'm going to do something a little unique. And uh, I'm speaking to every boy and man in the room, which is uh, first I have a scripture for you and then I have an invitation for you. First is the scripture. Uh, in my experience, both... And I'm sure the, the women in the room can relate to this. Life is both exciting and very exhausting. It's like this, right? It's amazing. And um, I, I had a friend come to me. He had his, like, he's now had five kids. But I think after the first, he's like, I was duped. Like, this parenting thing is psychotic. <laughs> and it, it is really hard. It's really hard. And life is hard. So whether you're a boy, man, or even woman in the room, I want you to hear these words because it applies to all of us. It's from Joshua chapter 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, 
the son of Nun, Moses' assistant. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise. Go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I'm giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I've given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness in this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, to the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause his people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give to them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all that the law of Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. And this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so you may be careful to do according to all that's written in it. And then you will make your way prosperous. Then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now what I'd like to do is invite any boy, any student, any man to come forward. And if there's a recognition that you need God, you need his presence, and you need his courage to come touch you and fill you, we would like as a church to pray for you right now. Pastor Jim, I'm going to invite him to come forward. And so if you feel led as a boy or a man to receive prayer on this day, please come forward right now. Dear Lord, we thank you that you have made us men. You have been the source of our lives. You are our Father in heaven. And Lord, we call upon you, regardless of what our earthly father was, whoever he was, whatever he's doing, whether he was good, bad, or not even there, whatever the situation, you are still our Father in heaven. You watch over us. And Lord, I pray that you would empower anew, afresh, in each of us as men, your character. You are the life giver. You are always mindful of us. You're generous with us, over generous. You pour out your grace upon us. You equip us. You are gentle with us. You are gracious and compassionate with us. All those things that are part of your character. And we rest on that promise that you will never leave us or forsake us for any reason. And I thank you, Father, that we can call upon you because of you sending your son to take the punishment for all of our stupidity, sins of every sort. You have washed them away. And we can stand clean and whole before you our loving Father, through the blood of Jesus Christ. And I pray for each man here, Lord, that if there be anything amiss, that you would settle the account in their lives and give us that courage to move forward 
in new strength and new power by the raining down of your Holy Spirit that no power can be resisted. Lord, I pray this, our Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.